Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. It's that time of the year. Your vacation is coming up. You can already hear the beach waves. Feel the warm breeze, relax, and think about work. You really, really want it all to work out while you're away. Monday.com gives you and the team that peace of mind. When all work is on one platform and everyone's in sync, things just flow. Wherever you are, tap the banner to go to Monday.com. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast, or on 96FM.ie. Connecting to the big show. In three, two, one. Everybody just wants to be contented. Everyone wants to be happy. Right now is the most important moment. It's just so unfair on every child who doesn't have options. It's amazing how many unintelligent people look. They're an absolute astonishment. What is the matter with these people? We're the one for Cork and ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818-969696. Text or WhatsApp 083-396-9696. Email opinion at 96fm.ie. The lines are live. Let's kickstart the conversation. This is the Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. On Cork's 96FM. Good morning and welcome to Friday's Opinion Line. It's me, Fiona, sitting in for PJ today and it's a lovely morning out there, but will it be like this for the entire bank holiday weekend? I'll be catching up with Alan O'Reilly of Carlo Weather later on to see what's in store for us for the weekend. Also coming up on the show today, are you looking for a job? Do you think that the salary should be included on the job ad? We'll be looking at that and I'll be speaking to a mother of two who suffered a stroke but mistook it for a hangover. I'll also be giving away the final Final pair of tickets to Riverdance at Live with the Marquee too. But I suppose uh, the big story all week has been the chaos at Dublin Airport last weekend. Well, up to over a thousand people missed their flights on Sunday because of the queues. Even though they had arrived early, they didn't make it in time to the flight. Um, and a lot of people are going to be flying out of Dublin Airport this weekend. It's um, expected to be the busiest weekend at the airport since the pandemic, uh, since before the pandemic. So a lot of people who are travelling, many people from Cork will be travelling to Dublin today and over the weekend to fly out fly out of there and they've been wondering what's going to happen. People have been rightly concerned about whether or not they'll make their flight but the DAA have been putting measures in place to avoid a repeat of last week and Ralph Regal of the Irish Independent has been looking at those measures in today's paper. Good morning Ralph. Good morning, Fiona. Ralph, at 300 flights are scheduled to leave Dublin Airport today. Um, I, I was looking there at Twitter before we came on air, and a lot of people were saying that it was extremely busy all morning, but that uh, things seem to be moving fairly fast. So have they upped the amount of people they have working at the airport, particularly security staff? It, it, they have, Fiona, and what also seems to have taken place is that they've organised measures to deal with the crowds, 
which is something that didn't seem to have happened last Sunday. Now, as you mentioned, there was a thousand people uh, missed their flights um, last Sunday. And an analysis of what happened seems to indicate that there were bottlenecks outside the terminal, that there just wasn't enough people outside organizing people into queues, such as, you know, those who have to check bags, those who only have carry-on luggage, those who have effectively already checked in and only need to try and go to security uh, queues. So what has happened today is that you're talking about the busiest um, travel weekend since the pandemic uh, began. You're talking about 328 flights. That spread between 204 flights at Terminal 1 today and 124 flights at Terminal 2. Now, there are two major periods of the day where I I know certainly DA officials are concerned about uh, Mm. congestion. Between 6 a.m. and 7 a.m., you had a total of 36 flights leaving. That was 18 flights from Terminal 1 and 18 flights from Terminal 2. And the next pinch point in the day really occurs between about probably, I suppose, 6 o'clock to just before 8 o'clock. And between, uh, you have 19 flights leaving uh, Terminal 1 at just between 7 and 8. And you've only six between uh, seven and eight at Terminal 2. Now, Terminal 2 really begins to quieten down from seven o'clock. There's only one departure uh, between eight and nine. That's at 8.15. It's an Aer Lingus service to Heathrow from Terminal 2. And really, things begin to get very quiet from just about eight o'clock onwards at Terminal 1. You've 10 flights leaving between eight and nine. You've only three between 9 and 10, and 7 flights between 10 and 11. And the last flight leaving Terminal 1 is a 10.50. From a, it's a Fly 1 service going to Chisinau. So I think what they're hoping for is that if they're organised enough for those two major um, pinch points in the day, that there won't be any major queues. But certainly the indication so far is the systems are working there's been no one has missed any flight um, due to queuing or delays so far today. And they're hopeful that those measures will work over the weekend. Yeah, I was just going to say that to you. Um, are these measures that they have in place for today, this is going to be continued right across the weekend, I'm assuming? Oh, oh it certainly is. Now, obviously, today is going to be the busiest of the days, but everything that's in place today will effectively be in place throughout the four day travel weekend. And I think what's going to happen then is you're going to have a longer term look at um, Dublin Airport. Um, Certainly there's ongoing staff recruitment, which is going to assist with things like security um, checks with uh, passenger handling outside and inside the terminal. But I think there also has to be questions asked about, you know, if you look at the sheer volume of flights and focus on Dublin Airport, there's definitely an argument that some of those flights could potentially have been transferred to Cork, mm. which is also owned by the DAA. And also there's a significant number of people who are traveling from, say, Munster to fl- for flights in Dublin. And why is that? Why aren't they using airports closer to home, such as Shannon and Cork? And I think those are issues that are certainly going to be asked within a political forum over the months and uh, weeks and months ahead. Yeah, even when we were discussing the chaos here on the show on Monday, um, we were sent a, a picture by a listener who was up at Cork Airport and it was completely dead. It was completely empty. And then you see these chaotic scenes from Dublin and you were saying yourself there that you know a lot of those people have travelled from the Munster region and could have very easily have travelled from Cork if we had the flights from Cork. Very much so. And I think that's a very, very important question to ask is that, you know, everyone understands, I mean, Dublin is a is a big city airport. I mean, Dublin would see itself as competing with the likes of, I mean, Frankfurt, some of the London airports, Paris or whatever for, mm. for international tourists. But it doesn't um, take away from the fact that Cork is a fine airport. 
it just got a brand new runway um, open last year. And, you know, it, its selection of flights has certainly improved since the, the pandemic has uh, be- begun to grind to a halt. But there is an issue about why are so many people traveling from, say, you know, Cork, Tipperary, Waterford, Kerry, which would be the natural catchment area for Cork Airport. Why are they traveling for flights in Dublin? Surely there can be an argument that some of those flights should be provided in Cork. And given the issues in terms of queues and delays and pressure on Dublin Airport's services. I mean, would it not have made sense to have some of those flights operating from Cork where there have been no queues or problems? When we were discussing this with Kevin Hurley of the CBA last Monday, a number of listeners had messaged us saying it's not just that easy to, it's not up to the DA really to just transfer a lot of flights from Dublin down to Cork, that it's up to the airlines. So how easy is it to actually do that, to to move the flights that are going out of Dublin, um, to move them down? To, to somewhere like Cork or even Shannon? Well, I think moving them on a short-term basis is difficult. They're absolutely mm. correct on that. But I think if you take a medium to long-term view of it, if people from this region are travelling to Dublin to fly somewhere else, well, why can't those flight options be offered down here? And how they're offered is by a package of support measures, by discounts, and by the airport authority supported by government obviously encouraging a greater selection of flight options and like that shouldn't be a problem for Dublin Airport because Dublin Airport DA owns Cork Airport mm. and certainly with a little bit of emphasis um, you know those flight options should clearly be available down here and I think it's also worth inter- pointing out that a number of years ago when Norwegian came into um, Ireland the big argument for Norwegian that they were providing transatlantic options and they were doing all kinds of things for the benefit of of the regional airports, i.e. Shannon and Cork. Mm. But as it turned out, most of the, the, the Norwegian flights were actually being offered from Dublin. So I think we do have to sit back and say, well, are we really in favour of regional development? Are we really in favour of diversifying our travel access um, strategy? Or are we going to continue to funnel almost everything into Dublin Airport? And of course, behind all of this, there's the argument that you know Dublin is campaigning for a second runway. Mm. So is this very much part of a strategy to keep numbers or or rebuild numbers to such a level in Dublin that you get this major investment? Whereas I think airports like, you know, Shannon, Kerry, um, Cork, even uh, Ireland West in in Connacht, I mean, that they really could benefit far more from some of these passenger numbers and some of these flight access options. Yeah. Finally, Ralph, I don't know if this is something that you know, but, um, you know, I suppose the main priority for people is to get out of Dublin Airport this weekend. But I did see that people were given out about the state of the place, that it wasn't very clean and that the toilets weren't being regularly checked. And even at Cork Airport, I'm hearing that, um, you know, there's a very limited amount of food. So I think there's um, a, a bigger problem there as well with staff. I know today the, and this weekend that the focus is getting people out, but there does seem to be issues with the airports. And I suppose you know it's a it's an effect of of having been under lockdown for so long that they're just not back up and running really properly yet yeah it is and i think you have to put it in context for for airport operators i mean i think that the rough statistics yesterday were that if you look at the the number number of passengers traveling through dublin airport today that they're almost back to 95 percent of pre-pandemic travel levels, which is astonishing because some people had been predicting it would take several years Mm. for that to happen. But at at the same time, they're operating with only about 70% 
of their pre-pandemic staffing. And that has put major pressure on some of the services. And what certainly seems to have happened is that given the queues and given the security pressure, those particular areas have become very much a focus for staffing and that other areas, you know, there is recruitment going on. Certainly, I think that the airport authorities are very much aware of those issues, but until they can get the extra staffing in, they may very well prove to be issues for, 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 for the the short term ahead until staffing levels get up to cope with the volumes of, volumes of passengers going through these facilities. You mentioned there, Ralph, um, just about the discounts and the caller has been in touch to say that they were looking at flying um, to Amsterdam and the flights from Cork to Amsterdam were €250, Euro, whereas from Dublin to Amsterdam it was only €70 Euro, and they're saying that, you know, a, a lot of young people in particular can't afford such a difference. I mean, that's a massive difference, isn't it? It is, and I'd like to know why there's that difference Mm. because essentially the the landing fees certainly in principle should be lower in Cork given the fact that a lot of the the new route options are being promoted in Cork. I mean, fuel costs the same whether you're buying it in Dublin or whether you're buying it in Cork and price differentials, and I suspect that that's true across an awful lot of routes that Mm. if you compare the prices um, with, say, Cork, Shannon, Ireland, West, Kerry, compare them to Dublin, you'll find that Dublin probably is a bit cheaper. There probably is, there's an argument that, that volumes going through a facility drive down prices, but I think we do have to look at our strategy to say, you know, if we're talking about clean, green, you know, a country mm. where people travel through their local hubs, well then why are we allowing such price differentials to drive people from to the expense and the congestion on our roads and whatever to travel from Cork and Kerry all the way up to Dublin for a flight that they could have uh, you know, taken mm. locally. And of course, it, it's very important to say as well, people flying through Cork and Kerry, that supports local jobs. And it's very important, I think, that we start saying that we need specific measures to ensure that people who are travelling, who are living in Cork and Kerry and Tipperary and Waterford, that they're encouraged to use local services rather than having to drive to Dublin. Indeed. Thank you so much, Ralph. That was Ralph Regal from the Irish Independent. Are you flying from Dublin Airport this weekend? Would you prefer to be able to fly from Cork? Let us know. Get in touch 0818 96 96 96 or indeed you can text or WhatsApp 0833 96 96 96. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The Cork Diary. On Cork's 96FM. The Cork Diary is a free service. So if you're a community group, a not-for-profit organisation, or you have a fundraising event you would like mentioned, let us know and we'll tell Cork all about it. Email the details to CorkDiary at 96 fm.ie Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083-396-9696 On Cork's 96FM. Before the break, I was talking to Ralph Regal uh, from the Irish Independent about the problems at Dublin Airport and about the possibility of trying to get a lot of flights that are operating from Dublin transferred to Cork. Uh, Maeve has been in touch to say Cork Airport 
airport problems go back a long time when the DAA took over the airport. Seamus Brennan promised a debt-free airport. Cork is not attractive as the landing charges are higher due to the debt. And Kev says, the frustration for me is I can't fly to Bristol from anywhere apart from Knock or Dublin. Airlines need to have pressure applied to them to bring back the regional flights. Do you agree with that, listeners? What are your own views? Are you flying out of Cork because there's no choice? Are you flying out of Dublin because there's no choice? Or would you just... um, not bother flying at all or would you just uh, try and see what's what's available from Cork and then just fly out of there and change your your plans. Let us know what you think 0818 96 96 96 or 083 396 96 96 Now in East Cork families have been battling for a long time for a school place and it's been a worry a massive worry for a lot of parents due to the lack of school places in the area but now the Department of Education has given the go ahead for construction to begin on the Carrick Tool community campus project um, and it's going to be the largest investment in the state's history in a joint primary post-primary hub. Lorraine O'Connell has been, um, is a member of the Carrick Tool East Cork School Pressure Group spokesperson. Good morning Lorraine. Good morning Fiona, how are you today? I'm very well. Lorraine, are you welcoming this announcement? Well, I, I listen, Fiona, I don't want, we don't want to be negative at yeah. all. This is another huge announcement, but I suppose it's always going to be guarded because we have had these announcements historically and you can see yourself that the time frame has been just extended and extended and extended all the time. We were, I suppose, planning permission was our first obstacle that ended up being a little bit of a disaster in that it had to be resubmitted three times. We I suppose on the 15th of February, the letter of intent was issued to the contractors. We really didn't anticipate it was going to take nearly four months, Fiona, for that to be accepted and get Mm. the go ahead. It's fantastic news, Fiona. There's no doubt, absolutely no doubt about it. But just because of the historic evidence that's there with these announcements, we are guarded. And and I mean, you you touched on it there. The the capacity of schools here in East Cork, not just Carrick Tool, is absolutely incredible. And I've no doubt that once this campus is completed, there's going to be a pressure group again from another area for more because it's not going to be enough, really, Fiona. Just, you know, we've been speaking a lot about inflation and I know that a lot of uh, construction workers are concerned about inflation and how that's going to, um, you know, impact on on various different projects. Is that an issue in this? Like, are you concerned that the, the cost is going to go up of building this campus? Well, of course, that's always going to be a concern, Fiona, because, the, I mean, inflation and costs have gone risen significantly since, I suppose, especially after COVID now. We really don't have much detail. You can see has, that the information we get from the department is always very cut and paste, for want of a better words. We don't get that type of detail. We barely get these responses from the minister, and that's been happening prior to Minister Foley's day, back to Minister McHugh's day. We don't get that sort of detail. We would be concerned, and it is a concern, but it's not something that goes, that's going to stop us pushing and pushing and pushing for this campus, the sod to be turned imminently. We don't want it in September. We don't want it next year. We want the sod turned now, next week or the week after. Well, let's just hope that when the sod is turned, it's not like the event centre sod that was turned many, many years ago. (laughs) We still have no sign of the event. Absolutely. Somebody actually said that to me this morning as well. I mean, look, they're saying that the three schools are going to be built once they start within 70 weeks. We would be hugely putting pressure that at least one of the schools, the community college, would be built 
first. Mm. Not because we don't want the other schools built, but just in terms of the capacity that's currently there in the temporary accommodation. Also, the location of it, the traffic is is a danger there in the morning at the moment. And also because there's a possibility it could be in the middle of state exams for junior certs and leaving certs. So we did have a promise. We met in Leinster House, I think about four years ago with Minister McHugh at the time, who did promise us that the community college would be a priority. And I think if you you know, when you're on social media, especially locally here in East Cork, the pressure that's on parents at the moment to try and get places for their children in secondary school is absolutely phenomenal. There are some parents and children who may not know up to weeks before they start in, se- in September. And really, Fiona, that's not it's not fair and that's not acceptable in this day and age that children are and parents are worried three or four weeks before they're due to start and don't know what's that school they're supposed to start in, you know. I know. And even just as you mentioned, the leaving cert there, a lot of the families who originally put their faith in the community college have seen their children are, are now doing the leaving cert or are due to do the leaving cert next year. Absolutely. They had their graduation the other day. They're due to sit their, their leaving cert. And I suppose all of us young, newer parents, shall we say, are very grateful to those 50 or 60 parents who put their faith in the ETB and the Department of Education with the promises that they were given back six years ago that, oh, no, there's going to be no issue. You will get into your new school. Those children have gone through the whole school system now heading for college without ever seeing a new school. Albeit, Fiona, incredible education they've received in Carrigtool Community College Mm -hmm. Um, and my girls the same I have to say you know fantastic school with the facilities that they're being given at the moment looking facing into another September intake again in temporary accommodation and possibly September after if you were to just drive down there in the morning Fiona it's just an incredibly poor location where it is we've try to do the best we can with what we have. And it is, you know, it, it is what it is. It's port cabins. It's temporary accommodation. Um, it is great news and I don't want to seem like I'm, um, <laughs> you know, raining on everyone's parade. But because of all the, the difficulties in the past, we are delighted. We know who the builders are, mm. but we will be pushing for this odd to be turned, Fiona. We're not going to stop. Um, huge kudos and thanks must go to David Stanton, Sean Sherlock, Pat Buckley, However, they've been getting the same responses as we have, Fiona. You know, they're not, they're working in the background too. You know, back Kevin O'Keefe was at the meeting in Leinster House with us, David Stanton, you know, four, five, six years ago, even 10 years ago when we had meetings here in the local community. So we're all getting the same response, but we would like Minister Foley now to just give us a specific time frame, not just the generic cut and paste responses we're getting. We would like a time frame and we will be pushing for that. Okay, brilliant. Lorraine O'Connell from the Carrick Tool East Cork School Pressure Group, thank you very much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. Now, we were speaking um, a couple of minutes ago to Ralph Regal about Cork Airport and Brian has been in touch to say, don't try starting a panic. I just got through. Staff are playing a blinder and processing quickly. And that's great to know, Brian, and I didn't mean to start a panic. We're just trying to get some information on what is actually happening there. And joining me now is News Talk reporter Michael Dooley, who is actually at Dublin Airport. Good morning, Michael. How are you, Fiona? Nice to talk to you. Uh, Brian was saying there that, you know, he got through uh, fairly quickly and staff are playing a blinder and processing quickly. Is that the the mood that you're getting there from people? Is that the, the vibe up at the airport? It really is. There's actually a lot of surprise. You find a lot of passengers turning up and saying, wow, why did I actually come this, this much <laughs> early? Because it really is moving very smoothly. The changes that the DAA put in place seem to be working. Uh, we're hearing that it's less than an hour through security and through baggage, which is astounding compared to last weekend. 
where 1,400 people missed their flight. So it's a, it's a sea change of a difference. Yeah, um, I know that they were talking about building, a, 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 what is it, it's like a tent outside a holding area for passengers. Is that uh, proving to be effective? Yeah, so I actually have my head stuck under it now because it's flashing <laughs> rain. And oh, to be it? honest, it is indeed. But uh, the only effect it's having right now because of the, the queues moving so efficiently is, is to shelter people from the rain. There's no backlog. Uh, there's no one waiting under the marquees. Now, I will say at about half four in the morning this morning, there was a bit of activity on social media, which did show that queues did overflow, not just to the marquees, but from the marquees. And there were queues down the street um, on the ramp in Terminal 1. Mm. But at the moment, since then, and even then I heard it ran quite smoothly, since then it's been no problem at all. And, uh, you know, Ralph was saying there that they had upped the amount of staff that they have. So obviously that is proving to be very effective as well, which is the main thing really, isn't it? Yeah, so we're hearing that a maximum amount of security lanes are open. So they've said, the DAA that is, that they are working at full capacity, uh, which would resemble uh, pre-pandemic levels of staff. So obviously last weekend was a little bit of a kick in the teeth uh, to the DAA. It was damaging to their reputation and they've really, really upped the action now and it seems like they've, they've done quite the hiring drive. That's brilliant. And I suppose that's going to come as a massive relief to a lot of people. We were saying this morning, Michael, that a lot of people from Cork are going to be travelling out of Dublin Airport this weekend. And, you know, we have seen, you know, the chaotic scenes that there was there last weekend and, you know, the amount of people who missed their flights. And people have been very concerned and have been watching this with interest. So I think hearing you saying that this morning now is going to be a massive relief for so many people. Well, here's the thing. Obviously, it is great news and everybody here is very shocked, very happy and very relieved. But there is always a chance that, you know, this today is an anomaly, mm. whether it's an anomaly in staffing or an anomaly in uh, flights leaving. There are 36 flights that went out one hour this morning. So it does sound like a day that would have broke the bank for the DAA if conditions were the same as last weekend. So I would say, yeah, be optimistic if, you, if you're coming back to Dublin Airport in the next week or so but also be cautious. I would still take the advice. Just don't come after the advice, at least if things are the same as today. And just finally, Michael, before I let you go, um, I know that there was confusion about whether or not to arrive early. The DAA were saying that some people were arriving too early, which was causing a, a problem, which was adding to the problem that was already there last weekend. So what is the advice to people now if they're travelling this weekend? Should they arrive two hours before their flight, three hours for long-term flight, or should they arrive a little bit earlier just to to be on the safe side? Yeah, so the advice is two and a half hours for short-haul flights and three and a half for long-haul, and then to add on an extra hour if they are checking in baggage. So uh, the advice is still quite a lengthy wait, and it is still cautious, and I think that is positive in case there is movement between now and next weekend. Um, But that is the advice. They are asking that nobody comes any earlier than that. Uh, They've said that for emergencies and for extreme overflow, they have set up these areas where people will be held, whether coming into the country or leaving. Um, Now, those aren't being used this weekend, according to the DAA, but they are there just in case people do come too early and there is a huge volume of people in the airport. Brilliant. Michael Dooley, News Talk reporter, thank you so much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning and for giving us that update live from Dublin Airport this morning. Now, just with regards to Cork Airport, Tom says Dublin has made sure that 
Cork can't thrive because they shifted 60 staff from Cork to Dublin. If you want to know why flights are expensive at Cork, it's because the marketing deals are always signed with Dublin and a lot of the best fares are promotional. Those extra passengers then give the bulk needed to reduce the costs per passenger. Thank you for that, Tom. And if anybody else would like to get in touch with us on this conversation, you can get in touch by calling 0818 96 96 96 or you can text 0833 96 96 96. And for those of you who are not going to Dublin Airport or Cork Airport this weekend to fly off to another country and have decided to stay around Cork for the weekend, there's loads happening and two big events in particular, the Cork Harbour Festival and the Cork City Marathon. And joining me now to talk about the Cork Harbour Festival is Marketing and PR Coordinator Edel Carmody. Good morning, Edel. Hi, nice to hear from you. You too, and thanks for joining us on the Opinion Line. Edel, the Harbour Festival is back and it's uh, launching today and is running over 11 days. So there's a huge amount of events happening for people. There is, yeah. There's going to be over 50 events running across 11 days all throughout Cork City and Cork Harbour. So no matter where you are in Cork, you can join in. Edel, obviously you haven't been able to have the Harbour Festival in its full entirety because of COVID over the last few years. So it must be great to be able to have it back again now. For sure, yeah. No, this year is really like a return to forum. I mean, obviously all our event partners are amazing. And last year, you know, we were able to go ahead with some events. But we have a lot of returning events this year that just couldn't go ahead. For instance, tomorrow we have the Ocean to City race on Ross Moor. Mm. So that's going to see hundreds of participants, both from Ireland and travelling over from, you know, America, the Netherlands, UK. And they're going to be um, competing in this race kicking off in Crosshaven and Crosshaven and finishing in Cork City Centre tomorrow. And there's going to be loads of entertainment and people can join in um, to watch the race, you know, from Passage West, um, from Cove and from Blackrock and at the city centre as well at Lapsky. There's a lot of events happening on the water, but there's events happening um, on land as well. And I was just looking at some of them and, you know, there's a lot of stuff there for families as well. And you can come and sing a sea shanty. You can view the sea on the moon. You can learn about marine life. So there's a huge amount of stuff happening, um, a lot of stuff geared towards families. Yeah, there, there's a huge amount of family friendly events, um, a lot of events as well that are quite, you know, like accessible um price point or free. So in terms of family friendly events, a lot of the Ocean to City festivities tomorrow are all family friendly. Um, There's also going to be an event on Tuesday with the Circus Factory where kids and young people can learn aerial and circus skills. Um, There's also going to be an event in Blackrock Castle on Tuesday where you can view the sea on the moon, as you mentioned. So that's really something um, any age can do. A lot of the boat tours as well have a minimum age of seven years old. So children should be able to join in on those. Fantastic. And you mentioned the Ross Moor, which is happening tomorrow. Um, and that attracts participants from all over the world. It's not just from Cork. Yeah, no, we have people coming over from the Netherlands, you know, from the United Kingdom and from the United States. And some of these people would have been participating for years, um, you know, and so we obviously wouldn't have seen them last year. So it's going to be, you know, so nice to see them kind of reunite with everyone. Um, so, yeah, that's going to be really exciting tomorrow. Um, do you, like we hear an awful lot about how beautiful Cork Harbour is and it's fantastic to have this kind of an event but wouldn't it be great to have things like this happening on at the harbour throughout the year and make the most of the harbour that we have? 
Yeah, no, for sure. I, I definitely think um, that would be lovely. I think as well, you know, this year at the festival, we have a lot of like environmental events. So, you know, we really kind of want to encourage people to appreciate Cork Harbour um, and, you know, just to kind of get out there because I think a lot of people, um, I don't think they even realise how unique Cork's harbour and, uh, and how unique Cork's maritime heritage is. Mm. Like we're actually one of the largest natural harbours in the world. So like it really is a great amenity. And, you know, you don't have to be some expert when it comes to like sailing or kayaking to be enjoying it. You know, there's really so many things, as you say, that you can even do on land as well. Yeah, there really is. And if people want to find out what's happening, they can go online, CorkHarborFestival.com. Um, is there any other, like, have you got um, other advertisements around the place or, you know, if people just are walking around, they just kind of come across things then? Is that the way it works? Yeah, um, we have a really, really like lovely brochure, which has, you know, all the events and lots of other extra information. So, you know, you can pick that out most places in town, you know, like hotels, the tourist office, um, mm-hmm. for instance. You can also follow us on social media. We're just Cork Harbour Festival, um, you know, same as the website name. So if you want to keep in touch with us. OK, brilliant. And I suppose we'll all be uh, keeping a close eye on the weather as well to see what it's going to be like, because these events are all fantastic. But, you know, <laughs> we we need to know, are we going to be wearing sun cream or are we going to be wearing uh, a raincoat? <laughs> Exactly. And hopefully it won't be too windy for the rowers tomorrow. So, yeah, well, we will be speaking to Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather later on. So I'll find out from him what the forecast is like for tomorrow and whether we're going to have rain or wind for, for that event. So that was Edel Carmody from the Cork Harbour Festival. Thank you so much for that, Edel. Now, are you looking for a job? Um, and if you are looking for a job, would salary be one of the things that would entice you to a job that was advertised? And what if there's no salary on the job? Would that put you off applying for it? Quiva Burke is um, of Burke Consulting HR joins me now to talk about this. Quiva, good morning. Good morning. How's it going today? Uh, very well, thank you. And thanks for joining us on the show this morning. Quiva, um, a survey that came out recently said that three out of four employers say that salary is the main driver um, in the employment market at present. So why do a lot of places and a lot of employers not include the salary on the ads? Yeah, it's, um, you know, it's an interesting one as well, because I think legislatively, it's actually something that's going to become mandatory in the not too distant future. But some of the reasons businesses might choose not to put the um, salary itself or even a salary range, for example, onto the ads is because um, smaller businesses can't necessarily compete, right? So they're like, oh, God, if I put this up there, is that going to mean less applicants because Mm. I can't maybe pay as competitively as a multinational Another reason is that while cash is a big motivator, there's other there's other things to consider, right? Non-cash compensation, is there a signing bonus? What's the company culture? What's the job itself? So those would be two main reasons. On the more, I guess, negative side, is that um is it that employees hope they can may, maybe hire employees for less? I genuinely don't think that is the case, but it may be in certain instances. And it's also when you don't put the salary there, it could be seen as a negotiation strategy, right? Where yeah. you can engage in it as opposed to committing upfront. You said there about small businesses may not be able to compete, but is it, if they're not including the salary, um, do you know, will they be wasting their time going through the uh, all the applicants, trying to find out um, a suitable applicant to interview, going through all the interviews, and then the people that the interview turn around and say, no, I don't want the job because the salary is too low? 
Oh, absolutely. Yeah, like transparency um, upfront is is the way to go. Um, as I said, I myself am more in favor of businesses using a salary range because when you commit to a hard number, you you know you're not necessarily attracting people that are expecting a salary maybe two or three k higher, but that's potentially within your budget. Mm. So when businesses do put the salary on, they save themselves time. They they save themselves time and energy, right? Yeah. And it's also um, LinkedIn did a survey actually not that long ago, and when employers put the salary information or salary details um, compensation package on a job posting, they're more likely to get fifty percent, um, like a fifty percent increase in applications. I suppose a lot of people, um, you know, they we've heard quite a lot about, you know, since the pandemic that a lot of people have taken the time to review their own career and are maybe looking for a dream job, whatever that is, Quiva, you know. Yes, but, indeed, um, the dream job. Yeah, so you would imagine if you want to change job that um, salary would be a big factor. But are you seeing a lot of people say that salary is no longer an issue for them that they're kind of looking for, as you said there a while ago, other factors that may give them a better work-life balance and it's not all about the salary. Yeah, yes and no. Like cash is king, right? Yeah. Like at the end of the day, the baseline matters because people have costs that they that they need to tend to. And if you can't support the the way of life that you have at a particular salary level, even if it's your dream job, that would be quite a difficult decision to make. You'd have to make cutbacks. Yeah. Um, but you know, some people, you know, in relation to um, making that choice, like the big thing I'm seeing is flexibility, the ability to work remotely and the ability to work remotely exclusively in some situations, which is um, which is a massive driver. Like, you know, again, we saw over the pandemic, people moving out of, you know, the kind of the main cities like your Dublins and Corks and moving to um, moving home, right? Mm. Where the cost of living in other counties isn't as expensive. So that might be a reason why somebody would take um, take a, I guess, a, a less, a less, a lesser base. Yeah. Um, the other reason is that, you know, other work environments, people might just want to, they might not be, prepared to work the additional hours and the overtime and with that there has to be you know it's a give and take right you might be getting a very good base and maybe even a bonus with that but you're just not prepared to put in the time and effort other things are more important now so in that case you might be very much open to it but again there's one thing being open to it there's another thing when you're in the reality of it and getting paid five ten fifteen thousand less it might be you know so it's an adjustment and expectation If the employer puts a scale, a salary scale on the ad, obviously there's going to be room then for um, consulting when they're offering them the job. So would you advise an employer then to maybe do that if they if they don't if they feel that they can't be competitive, that maybe if they put a scale, it might put them in a better position? Absolutely. And I myself am a fan of the scale because you could have somebody you could be looking for, let's say, an executive assistant. And, you know, you're you're looking for somebody with five years of experience. But the reality is, is that the market, it's incredibly difficult to get talent across the board right now. So you might be more than happy to take somebody on with two years of experience that's um, that you're willing to put the investment in terms of training and support into but they wouldn't command as much of a salary. They, they're not quite at that level of, let's say, um, independence when it comes to the execution of everything in the role. Mm-hmm. So in that case, you know, you might be in a position to take them on at a slightly lesser salary, still a competitive salary, still a salary that's absolutely at market, but 
because they're putting more investment and energy into getting them to where they need to be, they're not going to command the top end of that range, if that makes sense. Yeah. So when you use a range, it just allows both the employer and the employee, because like I would say to anybody that's going out and, and looking for a job, like do your market research. Like there's lots of data points, very easily accessible online, um, you know, through, through websites like Glassdoor and Playscale. And there's even a number of the agencies um, in Ireland have salary calculators on their websites. Mm. Now, the one thing I would say about that is that, yes, be prepared, but then also um, take into consideration, like, for example, like the data points, like you're collecting data points for Cork, you're collecting data points for, for Kerry because the salaries in the cities will differ a bit. But I think it's really important that um, both employees and people that are on the market looking for jobs do a bit of research and have a, a an understanding of what they, they should be paid as opposed to going in and maybe just, again, winging it and seeing what the employer puts up front um, mm. in the case of that negotiation around the band. Quivi, you mentioned at the start there about um, salaries being visible on the ads, becoming mandatory. And the EU Mm -hmm. is discussing making it mandatory to help address the pay gender gap. So I suppose it just goes to show the importance, doesn't it? It is because, you know, some people, you know, with the best of intentions, they put a lot of faith and trust in employers. And like for the most part, and I speak firsthand working with different clients, they care. They want to offer people a fair salary. So so I guess employees sometimes go in and they just, you know, have faith in the process. And they're like, look, as long as you pay me at market, I'm happy with that. And maybe in some instances they are being taken advantage of, um, which is why we have these pay equity issues. So if you put the band or the fixed salary in some instances um, on the job posting, it means that it's completely transparent and clear. You know, another reason why maybe employers don't do it is because they're they're worried about raising eyebrows in-house. So mm. they put a number or they put a range up there and somebody, because look, everybody sees everything. They People see that information online and they're like, oh, wait, why am I not getting that? Um, but that's that's a totally different issue. That That's an in-house issue that needs to be addressed because if you have somebody coming in the door and you're prepared to offer them at market or maybe above market, dependent on what your pay position is, um, it should be what's good for the goose is good for the gander, right? So, so yeah. internally, the bands should reflect what you're at market for because otherwise you're just going to end up in very hot water. Quiva, we've just had a caller contact the show here on 0818 96 96 96 to say that it's important to do your homework before an interview. I've just come off mm-hmm. an interview and was asked about salary expectations. I gave a number that was welcomed as a reasonable amount. So, you know, the importance of doing your homework, um, because I think like people can be quite intimidated when they get asked that, you know, uh, what's your salary expectation? You've absolutely no idea what to say, do you know? You don't, exactly, which is again, like take the time to do the research. Like you probably put some, if not a lot of preparation into, you know, understanding what the company is about, their culture, maybe reading up on who their CEO is. So, So put the same amount of effort and investment into yourself. Like at the end of the day, if you put forward number and they're like oh you know we're sorry that's just not within our range you can be like okay well is there is there other non-cash you know compensation yeah. available that you can maybe make me aware of you don't have to take the job like like <laughs> and, and it is it is a candidate market and I know it does seem like there's a, a, a power imbalance and look at the end of the day you want to be employed you want to be earning you want to be working with a good group of people and in some time and sometimes you will make concessions mm-hmm. on the salary front but 
at the end of the day, it's kind of incumbent on yourself to, to, to make sure you have your research done so that you can put yourself in the best position and, and not be, you know, not come off crass about it. But generally in the first interview, it will come up and it will be the employer that brings it up. What are your expectations? Because frankly, if that isn't established at the outset, it, it's there's so much time and energy that goes into the interview process. You're just, everybody's time is wasted, right? Indeed so, it is. Yeah, I would say, do, do your research. Do your research. Quiva Burke, thank you so much. That's Quiva Burke from Burke Consulting HR. And if you'd like to tell us about your own stories about salary expectations, you can get in touch 0818. 96 96 96 Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM With the Cork City Marathon Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie The Cork City Marathon is on today Good morning Julie Morning, how are you? I'm very well. I'm speaking, of course, to Julie Sabod, the project manager of the Cork City Marathon, which is back this year, Julie, after being virtual for the last two years. So obviously it's a, a massive um, a massive event this year. Oh, yes, yes. It's so exciting, you know, finally to be back after three years. It is phenomenal. It's brilliant to be back here. And Julie, I know it's always a very well attended marathon. Uh, have you seen the registration numbers go up this year? Oh, yes. Yes, we have. Like, it's brilliant. Um, our registrations this year went through the roof. Like, we've got more people than we had in any years before. And uh, especially the half marathon. It's very, very well booked. And um, the last few weeks, we had another search for the half marathon um, and the relay as well. Like, the half marathon, even the full marathon, got about a 1,000 people more than in previous years. Wow. So how many people are going to be taking part in total? In total, we have over 10,000 people now. Amazing, Jeannie, that's mm-hmm. crazy. Um, and so, Julie, uh, and like they're not just people from from Cork, obviously. There's people coming from all over Ireland to attend the marathon. Yeah, not just all over Ireland. Yes, definitely all over Ireland. A lot, a lot of people. And we have people, international people from uh, from over 100 countries attending as well this year. Brilliant, brilliant. So the Cork City Marathon obviously has a great reputation worldwide. Mm-hmm. Um, and people, just, people really like to come to Cork. They love this marathon. They really they love to come back every year as well. And what is it about the Cork City Marathon that they love? I think it's the people. Of I course, think it's the people. People <laughs> love to come back here. I mean, the city itself is, is is just lovely, isn't it? And the route is very very nice. Um, you really have something. You have a bit of everything in that route. It's a very nice route. It is uh, very flat as well. And um, and then the people. People just love have all the all the people in Cork around and cheering them on and the atmosphere in town and stuff so people love to come back every year Okay, fantastic and just with the route um, obviously there will be a lot of road closures around the city for the marathon on Sunday Mm-hmm, that's correct, yeah um, So, so I, yeah. I don't know if you want to go through all of the road closures or just let people know where they can find out Exactly. I think there are a lot of roads are um, will be restricted or traffic will be restricted at least for a few hours a day. And um, but you can find everything on the website. So it's a very good idea to go to CorkCityMarathon.ie and then go to traffic restrictions. And then you find you find all the course time limits, the traffic information there, uh, each street, what time they close off, what time they will open as well. And then there is also route road reopenings. 
for the day as well. And then we put up additional trains and park and ride information as well. Okay. So that was only confirmed the last couple of days. So it's, been on the, it's on the website now and you can find it all under traffic restriction and race weekend. Okay, brilliant. And for people who are taking part in the marathon, um, where do they go to register? Is it City Hall? Yes, it's in City Hall. It's This year it's in the concert hall. Um, so the entrance is from the Keys. And when you come in, you will have an expo in front of you. And then there is registration for the full marathon, the half marathon and the relay in all in concert hall. And it's today. We're going to open today at 12 o'clock at lunchtime. Okay. Um, we'll be open till seven o'clock tonight and then we'll open again on Saturday. Registration is from 11 o'clock in the morning till 6 p.m. tomorrow evening. Okay, fantastic. And then the event, of course, finishes up on Patrick Street and there will be people talking then on a stage on Patrick Street. They actually, yes, so we actually have talks on Saturday here in City Hall as well at the, uh, at the Expo. And that's tomorrow, Saturday, between 2 and 5 o'clock in the afternoon. Okay, and what's that? Just telling people, um, just talks to, to give people some information about what to do if this is their first time, that kind of thing. As well, as well, but also the very interesting talks, like the course measurer are going to speak, you know, how to measure the route and what they have to look out for. And so we've got mm. some really good talks from the paces as well. And, um, and then a bit of nutrition and so on, you know. So it's a little bit uh, for everybody really in there. Brilliant. It sounds fantastic. And I was going to take part, Judy, but I've hurt my back. So. Oh, no. <laughs> and oh, I'm going no. on holidays. So there's a few things. But, uh, oh, as well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but it was the plan. But next year, next year, definitely. Next Julie, year, exactly. thank you so much. And best of luck to everybody who is running in the marathon. And of course, to all their organisers as well. That is the Cork City Marathon that's happening in Cork on Sunday. Also on Sunday is the Women's Mini Marathon in Dublin. And I'm sure there will be a lot of people from Cork taking part in that but one woman who is taking part is trying to raise money as well for CUH charity now Francesca Murray is a mum of two she's 45 years old and she suffered a stroke but she thought it was a hangover um, good morning Francesca Hiya. Francesca you were on a hen night and you woke up and you thought you were having a hangover but you were actually having a stroke it I must- know, yeah what happened to you? I just woke up. I just thought I felt a bit hungover and, you know, I was getting sick and stuff like that. And I just felt a little bit strange. And I caught my friend and I said to her, Tasha, I don't really feel that well. But really what came out of my mouth was blah, 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 because I wasn't speaking. Mm. I lost my speech by then. And did you know at that point then when you lost your speech, what was happening to you? I had no idea at all. No idea. Natasha, thankfully, is a nurse's aide in Tralee and she recognised the signs that I was having a stroke because I'd lost power and I was actually getting sick and I lost my speech. So she rang an ambulance straight away. And had anything been happening in the days before that? Like, had you been under any stress or was there any kind of lead up to this or did this just completely come out of the blue? Completely out of the blue. Not a thing wrong with me. I was... completely taken aback by And you were taken to CUH? I was. I was I was airlifted actually by the Dingle Coast Guard, thankfully. Um, they picked me up from Ventry and Dingle and transferred me to Cork. Um, and yeah, from there on in, it was a whirlwind. 
And Francesca, when you were travelling in that helicopter, I mean, you would travel down to, to Kerry for a hen and here you are now in a helicopter being airlifted to Cork University Hospital with um, the signs of a stroke. You must have been absolutely terrified. Do you know, actually, I was, I actually don't recall the helicopter ride. I don't recall anything. The last memory I have is telling Natasha that I didn't really feel very well and a few vague memories in between, but I don't remember the... I don't remember the helicopter ride or anything like it. I remember waking up a few days later in the hospital bed with the doctors telling me that I had a stroke. And when you had the stroke, you were only 43. Yeah, very young. Very, very young. My God. I know. I know. And so then when you were in the hospital, um, how long were you in there for? And when you woke up at first and saw where you were, I mean, like, what was going through your mind? Oh, my God. I was terrified because I woke up and I couldn't move. I was completely paralysed on my right-hand side. So I I didn't actually know what had happened to me. I just thought, my God, this is strange. Mm. Um, this, like, after they told me I had a stroke and things like that, I was like, I just can't be all that's left for me. I can't be in this bed for the rest of my life. Like, so it was very strange. And how long were you in the hospital for? I was in Cork, I think I was in Cork for about a month. Um, about three, three, four weeks I was in Cork. Um, but thankfully now they got me back, they got me back walking and um, I got some use to my arm back. And Talk to like me that. about that. Talk to me about getting, you know, so you had to learn how to walk again and how to use your limbs yeah. again. Yeah, it was very surreal. Yeah, um, I had no power at all on my right hand side so I literally had to be taught how to walk how to climb the stair I, like, I remember the, the physio in Cork they literally had to tell me to walk heel to toe and it, w- it was very surreal because you know how to walk everybody knows how to walk obviously mm. but when it's being explained to you and it's broken down and you're trying to do it but your body just won't respond it's very surreal um, yeah, but thankfully they got me on my feet again. And Francesca, you had two children at the time. What ages were they? Jasmine was 23 at the time and Kyle was 11. He was actually with me in Dingle. Oh my God. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it was very strange for him, very scary for him. Yeah, um, he must have been so scared. So were they able to go to the hospital then to see you? Well, what happened was they they came to Cork. My mum and dad brought them to Cork and they stayed. I don't know what the name the hotel was. The hotel was putting up um, like care workers and stuff like that and pick uh, people yeah. from COVID. Um, so they gave them a room and they were able to see me, I think, once and then once or twice maybe. And then they, they travelled back to Dublin. So Glenn, the the nurse in charge of my care used to ring them and say, right, we can get you in for a half an hour. So they drive up from Dublin right. and see me for a half an hour and then drive back. My God. And how are you yeah. now, Francesca? I'm actually fine now. I'm I'm, I'm pretty much fully recovered. Um, well, you must be because you're you're taking part in the Women's Mini Marathon. <laughs> I know, yeah. <laughs> I know, it's God. Um to think that I'd be able to do it, like it's a big accomplishment from not being able to walk at all 
to less than two years being able to do the marathon. So it's a real, um, it's a pat myself on the back kind of moment. <laughs> and it's it's a ten k, so it's it's not yeah. a, a short journey by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, but there'll be plenty. If I need to stop and have a break, I can stop and have a break. But hopefully, yeah. I'll just plough on through. And you've, you're of course, you're raising money um, for CUH charity. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's really important to me. And um, I really want to give back a substantial donation. Like I want to be able to make a difference to somebody that is in is in the position that I was in to be able to get some support and and help. I was talking to Glenn, one of the nurses there. He was saying they really need a treadmill and things like that for the mm. physiotherapy department. So I'd love to be able to raise enough to provide a treadmill or something. Yeah, something just to give back. Yeah, yeah. I'd really, really like, that's my goal. Brilliant. Well, best of luck on Sunday and thank you for raising awareness of it and the team up in CUH are doing amazing work every day. They really are. Thank you, Francesca, for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. Are you, you're, you regard yourself as a Welsh lady? I have you Welsh just, blood, yes. But are you Welsh or are you English or are well, you I'm Irish adopted, at this stage? So it's a little bit tricky. Yeah. Like my birth family are Welsh and mm. I was I was adopted in England and brought up in England. Okay. Then you were adopted again by Cork. Yeah. Yes. People from Wales are the worst lovers in the world. <laughs> <laughs> Yes, in a poll. Why do you say that? Are you enjoying yourself? That would put you off, wouldn't it? I'm just standing here holding this big leaf. (laughs) Casey and Ross in the morning with Noel DC Cars Blackpool. Exclusively Skoda in the city. Find your next car online at noeldc.com. Open 24-7. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Call us now. 0818 96 96 96. On Quartz 96FM. Now, for those of us who are not escaping to the sun this weekend, what's the weather going to be like here in Cork? Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. Good morning. Have you got good news for us, Alan? Well, it's a bit of a mixed bag, Fiona. No. Um, it's... There'll be there'll be some sunshine today. Um, there's a small chance of a shower, but I think probably Cork will miss a lot of that. Um, small chance of a shower probably late this afternoon, but it'll be quite nice today, up to 17, 18 degrees, light winds, um, yeah. and there might even be some late sunshine. But unfortunately, it's the south and the southeast that's going to see the worst of the weather this weekend, unusually. It's, a, it's our turn this weekend. The north and the northwest is going to get the best of the sunshine. But um, there will be some sunny spells in the morning, so the best of any sunshine in Cork will be early uh, tomorrow. Now, there's going to be some showers as well, and they're going to be localised, but they're going to be heavy at times, and it's going to be quite breezy, so it's going to be probably 15 degrees, but okay. it'll feel a bit cooler because it's going to be an easterly wind. Um, so the further you head inland, the nicer it'll feel. Okay, so the <laughs> um, coastal areas then will be breezy and maybe feel a bit colder. 
They will, yeah. It'll certainly have a chill on it if you head to the coastline, for sure. Like we were um, speaking, Alan, there a few minutes ago to um, the organisers of Unross Moor. It's um, part of the Cork Harbour Festival and they were saying that they'll all be taking to the water tomorrow and they're hoping that it won't be very windy. Now, when you say breezy, do you, like, you know, what kind of, uh, what, what are you talking about? Is it going to be like a strong gust at any stage or will it just be like a light breeze? No, it'll be what you would call a moderate breeze, which will be strong breeze, to be honest with you. So you're looking at winds of probably in around Cork Harbour, probably 20, 25 kilometres an hour sustained, but it could be gusting up to 45, 50 kilometres an hour. So it is going to be, it is going to be very breezy um, with the winds strongest through late morning and afternoon. So okay. it is going to be quite windy. Um, because I had quite a few people actually message me about doing the Cork Marathon. I think it's on Sunday. Yeah. And and they've been asking, the runners are hoping that the wind won't be as strong and it won't be as strong on Sunday. So the wind will ease off on Sunday, which is good news for them. Will it be raining um, on Sunday? It will at times. Now, again, it's going to be showers and there's been huge uncertainty on the weather forecast. They've been changing. Anyone that's been tracking their apps or looking at auto line, like online forecasts, they'll have noticed that they've been chopping and changing an awful lot. And that's because we have these showers that are going to just clip the south coast and then move in a little bit further. But where exactly they hit and how heavy they're going to be, it's hard to pinpoint. Early on Sunday is probably, Saturday night into early on Sunday is probably likely to see the heaviest showers um, in the south. Um, but it will be very cloudy on Sunday, unfortunately. Unlikely to see much sunshine in, in the south on Sunday. And temperature is probably around 14 degrees so it might be okay for the marathon runners, but uh, anybody else is probably going to be looking at looking at photographs from the west and the north and wondering where the sunshine is because it's not going to be in the south, unfortunately. And what about what about Monday, Alan? Yeah, Monday should should be a bit better day. Um, small chance of a shower, but might escape a lot of showers, so it might hold dry for many on Monday. Temperatures back up a little bit, and in the afternoon, some sunny spells hopefully breaking through. Um, so, you know, probably a bit, not a bad day on Monday and the winds will be light as well on Monday. So okay. it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's a bit of a mixed bag of the weekend, I suppose, early on Saturday, if you want to get out and enjoy some sunshine. Um, after that, then really have the brolly with you um, and mind that wind if you're near the sea on, on Saturday. So I suppose if you're going out and about in Cork over the weekend, just pack everything with you. Pack sun cream, pack raincoats, pack umbrellas, pack jumpers, <laughs> just pack it all. It is. It is unfortunately one of those forecasts where it's just a little bit of everything. But certainly, if if people are travelling uh, to the coast, then you will want a jumper because it's going to feel fresh. That easterly wind when you catch it is going to make it feel feel chilly. And if it's heat you're looking for, then head up to the north or the northwest or the west of the country. Yeah, yeah, the west and the northwest even will be will be the warmest of the country. Um, so if you are looking, if you're looking to move for for the weekend in Ireland, then the west or the northwest, the northwest for the sunshine and the west probably for the heat. Alan, before I let you go, um, I know we were talking a lot earlier this morning about people flying out um, of Dublin Airport and Cork Airport to sunnier climes. What, like Spain, I know went through um, a massive heat wave there last month. What's the temperatures like on the continent? Yeah, it's still quite warm actually. Um, I noticed Madrid is to get back up to 30 degrees again um, on Bank Holiday Monday. Um, so it's still quite warm. And actually I, I was looking at the weather models for Marbella for somebody earlier 
and it's going to get up to mid thirties early next week. So um, if you're heading, if you're heading to uh, to Spain for sure, um, it's going to get hot. It could get up right. to 36, 37 degrees even in Marbella. So uh, yeah, and I, I, the Canary Islands are in around the 26, 27 degrees. So okay. uh, you can see why people are heading for the airport, but we should be all heading for Cork to avoid those queues. <laughs> Absolutely, Alan O'Reilly from Carlo Weather. Thank you so much for updating us on the, what the weather's going to be like for this weekend. You should celebrate yourself every day, but some days you should celebrate with jewelry. Whether you want to commemorate an unforgettable moment or just bring some added sparkle to your collection, Blue Nile can offer you expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com today and experience the ease and convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com. BlueNile.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now, and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. MintMobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45, equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Now, some of your comments that came in earlier about the airport... Paul was in message or sent us in a message to say he was looking at flights from Dublin to Gatwick and they cost 28 euro one way in July, 33 euro return. But Cork, Gatwick cost 166 euro return. This is why people don't fly out of Cork Airport. And we had a similar message to that earlier, Paul, from somebody who was flying Cork, Amsterdam and the difference between the two flights. You can see why people would opt to go out of Dublin. And I suppose it's something that needs to be looked at. Why are the flights so expensive? expensive out of Cork. Kieran says Cork Airport is just too small for extra flights. We need another runway, bigger parking spaces, etc. Finn says Cork Airport is too small to take the traffic people are saying it could take. We built a, sm- a new smaller airport, remember? Jim says they want to build another runway at Dublin Airport. Good God, they can't manage the one they have, even with their two terminals. Time for a change of management, me thinks. And Maria says things running smoothly shouldn't be a surprise. It should be the usual that is how an airport should work every day. You can contact us on that or any other things that we're discussing on the show this morning on 0818 96 96 96 or 083 396 96 96. And we were talking about the Cork Harbour Festival and the marathon, but there's loads of festivals and events happening in Cork this weekend and across the coming weeks. And 96FM news reporter Mairead Tuhig has been looking at what's going on. Final preparations are underway for festivals and events across Cork, with many taking place this long weekend. For many, this is the first time in two years that they will host a physical event. 
Recently, the 114th Middleton Agricultural Show returned to the calendar for the first time since 2019. Here's the show's Assistant Secretary, Laura Hyde. Two years of kind of would we go, couldn't we go and yeah, it was very difficult and even meeting this year, you know, it was um, it was just talked through, you know, could we go ahead with the show, would we be able to and then with restrictions and everything, it was difficult to kind of, what were you going to be able to do? Registration is open today and tomorrow for participants participants in this year's Cork City Marathon. Project manager is Julie Sabodi. It's been pretty much a three-year waiting period, right? And nobody knew if it was going to go ahead or not. Like, even at the end of last year, it was still, you know, December, January. It was like, is it, like, okay, officially, it's going to go ahead. Are there other instruct, uh, restrictions going to happen? Like, nobody knew. Nobody knew, you know. It was like, okay, we're going to plan ahead and we're going to see what happens. And now everything is back and it's open and it's, Phenomenal. On the water, Cork Harbour Festival's flagship event, the Ocean to City on Ross Moor, takes place tomorrow along with the youth race. Claire Hayden is Baudoruk's youth programme manager with Mehal Mara. The youth race is just part of a great big race um, on the day. We're expecting about 500 people in total to be part of, of the race. Um, so the youth race will go from Black Rock on the day and it will come in just before the adults. The adults will be rowing um, some of them from Monkstown, but some of them will be doing a 28-kilometre row from Crosshaven into the city centre on the day. The opening ceremony for the IMART Mixed Ability Rugby World Cup is on Sunday in Musgrave Park. The tournament will host an estimated 25,000 players and spectators across the week. John Bransfield plays with Sunday's Well Rebels. It's my first World Cup. I honestly never thought I'd be playing rugby, let alone playing here in Musgrave Park and playing in the World Cup. It's just... It's unbelievable. Hard to, hard to put in words. The Inishannon Steam and Vintage Rally takes place on Sunday and Monday. PRO Paul Kelleher says it's great to be back. The event is really a community event. It's great to see such activities after a long two years in COVID. Um, we're hoping that everybody will come and enjoy the event. It's, for, it's in aid of a great charity, the Irish Cancer Society. We have a long history with Upton Steam Rally and Inishana Steam Rally. Gig goers continue to head along to Live at the Marquee with more acts to take to the stage across the month. Peter Aiken says it's a great venue. There is this roar in the Marquee that the Coronas come on. I've, been, I've brought somebody on the stage one time where it's easy top and they couldn't believe it. Like it's, it's frightening the roar. I don't know whether it's a tent, it accentuates the sound or it's just... People can't believe they're saying ZZ Top, you know, so... The jam-packed long weekend leads into a busy month. Cork Carnival of Science on June 11th and 12th at Fitzgerald's Park is a free family fun STEM festival. Project manager is Mervyn Horgan. Exactly. I think everyone needs a good fun day out and everyone needs to get back into the crowds. And Fitzgerald's Park is fantastic. It's a fantastic venue. It's central. Um, it's got an awful lot going for it. Um, so we're, we're looking forward to it. I mean, 2019 was the last time we ran this event and we had a fantastic response from the people of Cork we were delighted Cork Midsummer Festival gets underway from June 15th Festival Director is Lorraine May The city really does become the stage again and the gallery and we have events taking place in warehouses forts uh, boats buses streets and of course our brilliant theatres as well Up to 55,000 visitors are expected to pass through the gates of the Cork Summer Show 
on June 18th and 19th. President of Munster Agricultural Society Robert Harkin says they will have a competition for attendees to show what they learnt during lockdown. You grew home vegetables, you learnt how to knit, you learnt how to sew, uh, you learnt how to draw pictures. We have competitions for all of that and these are amateur competitions this is nothing professional about this is this is really what you grew in your garden bring it along and we'll have a judge that will be able to judge it and tell you where you are and how you're doing in it the message from organizers of festivals and events across cork is that it's great to be back it is great to be back indeed thank you so much to Mairead Tuhig for that report and now have you ever stopped to wonder about the lullabies that we sing to our children and have been singing for years what do they mean or do they mean anything at all and this is something that is explored in the UCC Creative Lullaby Exchange which is set up by Alex Callal. Good morning Alex Good morning Alex, first of all, um, you're an ethnomusicologist, cognitive scientist um, at UCC. How did you come to set up the Lullaby Project? Oh, um, well, so I've always been interested in lullabies and also in the way that that people interact musically in general. And um, what really struck me is um, once when I first came here, I've been here in Ireland for three years now. And um, when I first arrived, I sang a concert with one of my colleagues, um, who's now at Maynooth, uh, Triuna Nishiokan. And um, she's an amazing Shana singer. I was singing um, Byzantine chant. And um, in the concert, she sang this lullaby. And it just really struck me. Because here you have this song, which is, is sung to children, right? Mm. And then at the same time, there are all these other layers to it. So um, really the lullaby is dealing with women's mental health. But at the same time, it's clothed in the language of mythology. So there are all these layers. And um, it struck me that, wow, we really don't know much about lullabies, right? There's there's a whole world of, of lullabies that were pretty much, they're pretty much, unavailable to us because people don't record them don't put them out into the world they just sing them to their children Mm. and so I thought how can we find a way to to actually get them more out into the open so we can start to hear some of this landscape of lullabies so are you trying to you're you're trying to collect lullabies for the exchange program yeah, so it's it's basically a, a website where you can share a lullaby. I mean, you can go and, and sing directly into the website, share whatever information about it that you like. You can remain anonymous if you want. But then at the same time, you can go and listen and browse them. And so the lullabies are searchable according to all sorts of things. You know, If you want to hear them, lullabies from a particular area or in a particular language or that deal with a particular topic, you can search by those things and um, pull up the relevant lullabies. So it's a way to, to explore this. this. And so form. are you looking for lullabies that people might, you know, they might have passed on through their family and it might be unique to that family? Or um, is it, you know, lullabies that we all knew, maybe we learned when we were growing up and we've passed on them to our children or, you know, is, so is it kind of everything that you're looking for? Yes, I definitely would say all of the above. We often don't realize how valuable whatever we're doing is. You know, we think, well, no one wants to hear Little Bunny Frou-Frou or something. That's just some silly thing I sing to my kid. But who knows, maybe the way you sing it is different. And, And aside from that, what we're really trying to do 
is get this collective sound, right? The, the sound of the world's lullabies. And so we need every little bit in order to, to do that, if that makes sense. Yeah, like you spoke there about the different layers of a lullaby. And I think, as you said there, you know, a lot of people might think, oh, sure, I'm just singing about a bunny rabbit and it doesn't really mean anything. But a lot of them have meanings that we might not even necessarily know about. Yeah, yeah, there, there are all kinds of things embedded in them, you know, and you just you repeat, you know, I repeat what my, my mom's saying to me, yeah. to my own daughter or something. And you, you don't stop to think, well, wait, what, where did this come from? And, and who originally came up with these words and why? Or these melodies that the melodies also can be quite interesting and unique as well. So a lot of the lullabies that have been passed through generations, I mean, some of them might have been written during wartime and they may have political connotations that we're not even aware of. So um, are, are you kind of studying that? Um, yeah, I, I intend to. Uh, the first the first layer of this website is really to just to get, to try and, and um, get as many people sharing as possible and just to, to listen and explore. So the first aspect of it is is not really research so much as just engagement with this art form and recognition of the riches that, that exist within this art form. Um, once once there's a big body of lullabies collected, we can start to explore explore those kinds of things. You know, like where did this come from, and and see if if a lullaby might be sung in different places in different ways, or with the words slightly changed. You know, and then mm. and how did they get changed, and why. And, and ask those kinds of questions, um, so that a lot can be done with explore with um, studying them once we have a, a body of them to explore. But again, the first the first um, aspect of this initiative is just to get people engaged with this art form and to to realize that how special it is. So if anybody has a particular lullaby that they may love from their own childhood or a lullaby that they're currently singing to their children, they can contact you on lullabyexchange at gmail.com and they they put forward the lullaby and maybe a little story about why it's important to them and what they think the meaning is. Oh, actually, we've we've made it even easier than that. We have a lullaby, we have a website, it's lullabyexchange.org and you can just type that in and go there and there's a form that you can fill out online and you can sing your lullaby directly into the website. Wow. Um, And yeah, and our our web designer, um, Isabel Ronan, actually set it up so that it's it's baby friendly, the colors and the, the design. So even if you're sitting in the dark with your child, it won't be kind of distracting and disruptive. You know, it can be engaging. And you can just go on and, and do it that way. Would you prefer to get them like that as a, as a, as a, an oral form rather than a written form so that uh, you can hear what it actually sounds like then? Oh, of course, yes, yeah. So part of this this website, you know, it's, it's share a lullaby. You can go and learn lullabies. You can listen to people singing them. We We already, we just launched it. So I think we have, what, five lullabies? But we have um, a couple Irish ones. We have a Norwegian lullaby, one from the Central African Republic, an American lullaby. Yeah, we have things that, that would be quite ancient. We have things which um, were just made up you know, in recent years. Hmm. Um, and all of it is, is valuable. So I would encourage anybody to just go there, click post a lullaby. And um, there's a little kind of in-browser app that you can use to just record your lullaby and works on a phone, computer, whatever. Brilliant. 
Great stuff. Alex Callal, thank you so much. That's the Lullaby Exchange, lullabyexchange.org if you want to get your lullaby sent over to him. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie Access all areas on Cork's 96FM. Your guide to nightlife on Side. Hi, it's Michael here with an update on Cork's entertainment. Dundalk's Just Mustard have recently returned from a tour of the US with Fontaine's DC and have just released their new album, Heart Under. Cork fans have a chance to catch them when they come to Cypress Avenue on Wednesday, June 8th. Access all areas. Jerry McAvoy played, recorded and toured with Rory Gallagher for 20 years, also playing on every solo album that the legendary guitarist released during that time. Jerry brings his band of friends to the Oliver Plunkett on Friday, September 23rd for a night of Rory's classics. Access all areas. You can contact us here at Access All Areas if you have a show, play or exhibition or any live streaming events by emailing us on aaa at 96fm.ie. Access all areas. With Harvey Norman and JBL, your specialists in sound this summer. On Cork's 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96 FM. Now we all know that a dog is a person's best friend and that was more than evident with little Kean Neary when he fell ill and unfortunately Kean lost his battle for life in 2019. But his parents have set up a charity organisation called Kean's Kennels and joining me now is his mum Evelyn Neary to talk to me a little bit about Kean's Kennels. Good morning Evelyn. Good morning, Fiona. How are you today? I'm very sorry for the loss of Keegan, first of all. I just want to say that on behalf of myself and the team here at the Opinion Line. Um, Thank you. Evelyn, Keegan was diagnosed with hepatosplenic T-cell lymphoma in September 2018, which obviously came as a massive blow to the family. And um, while he was in in the early days of his illness, you asked him what he wanted to make him feel better. And what did he say? Yeah, so um, he he was quite ill at the time. He was just after been been diagnosed. So as you said, they're a huge a huge shock for the family, a huge shock for Kean himself. So he was asked the question, you know, now might be a good time to to ask your mum and dad for something you really want. Mm. Um, honestly, at that moment in time, he could have asked for anything, and we probably would have given it to him. But he simply asked for for a puppy, uh, yeah. a new puppy. Um, we had a family dog and um, we still ha- we still have uh, another dog and um i suppose he just wanted a puppy for himself his own his own puppy so and so he cooper got his own puppy. cooper joined the family and cooper was a labrador puppy and i've seen photographs yes. of him beautiful <laughs> He is an adorable puppy indeed. Well, he's he's three now, but yeah. So, um, you know, the search started straight away to, to get a, a puppy for Kean and Cooper joined the family about a month later as a five-month-old uh, Labrador pup, Golden Lab. And Evelyn, what kind of difference did that make to Kean having his own puppy, Cooper? 
Look, it made a huge difference. Um, Kean had gone from being going to school every day. He had he was in second year in school, in secondary school. Uh, he was heavily involved in sport, very very sociable, always on the move. And he went from that to being somewhat isolated. Um, he was on he was on treatment immediately. Um, that brings its own um, issues with with infection control and all that. So mm. he, I suppose he he was the the life he known had known changed completely and so suddenly he just had a new friend and he had someone to spend his days with um so even when he was in the early days of treatment he was up and down to both our, our local hospital in Mullingar and to Crumlin but there were long days here at home where he'd be in between treatments and you know couldn't really get back to, to normal life and those days were spent in training Cooper walking Cooper you know, doing the tricks, having fun. It just gave huge, um, I suppose, structure to his days and just gave him something else to, to think about and, and plan. And Evelyn, in um, 2019, Kean had to spend three months um, in, in, the Crum- in the hospital in Crumlin and um, he was looking for Cooper during that time in hospital. And is you were saying that this is nearly how the whole idea of Kean's Kennels came about because the staff at the hospital enabled you to bring Cooper up to, to Crumlin. Yeah, so um, as you mentioned there, he was diagnosed initially in in September 2018 and things were going well, treatment was going well. But unfortunately, in June 2019, things, I suppose, relapsed and Kian became quite ill. Um, And while he was still on treatment and and we maintained hope to the very last moment, um, it was quite obvious that he would be spending quite a bit of time in, in Crumlin at the hospital there. So, of course, he wanted Cooper nearby and... I, I I always remember my my poor husband Enda, um, you know Enda was trying to to keep everything together at home, both our other our other son Shane and um, then he was getting these instructions from Kean, you know don't yeah. don't look him in the eye, don't give him that food, don't yeah send me a photo of the portion you're giving him. So it it was just impossible to to you know to. Yeah to manage him the way Kean wanted it, it, it done. So to look at the efforts of a huge amount of people, including, as you mentioned, the hospital, um, we we brought Cooper from Longford, where we live, and uh, we kenneled him in kennels nearby. And he practically moved to Dublin then. <laughs> the family at that stage, it was summer. We were based in Ronald MacDonald House. So it just meant, you know, we had Cooper nearby. We'd everybody together. And um, then uh, he Cooper came over to the hospital then to uh, see Cooper and then Cooper visited him on a regular basis as well. So was Keegan able to come out to Cooper then out in the, the hospital yard kind of a thing? Yes, he was. And indeed, you know, while he was on treatment that all the time, he was relatively well. What I mean by that is he yeah. was able to get up and about most days. So again, the whole routine that we had at home was almost just moved to Dublin and um, Cooper again became the focus of his days there. And Evelyn, you've obviously seen um, how Cooper brought, you know, how Kean reacted to having Cooper there and you and your husband decided to set up Kean's Kennels um, which is an organisation to try and bring more animals and pets to the hospitals for, for children who are sick. Yeah, so it's very much exactly as you said. The idea came from from our own experience, um, and, and the positive impact it had for Key and indeed for the for the rest of the family. 
So the Keynes Kennels charity was set up in March 2020 with the aim of bringing pets closer to sick children and, and their families. Um, and it's really, I suppose, if you put it very simply, replicating what was done for Kean, but just doing it in a in a very safe, very structured way, uh, free of charge for all the families. So it just facilitates um, visits to the hospital um, for, you know, for, for family pets. And how has it been going since you set it up? Well, so we've we we set up in March 2020, and we all know what happened <laughs> we won't in April go there. 2020. <laughs> um, but so, in hindsight, look, it, it meant that we couldn't go operational, but it gave us uh, time to to really think about how it would work, mm. to get all our documentation in place. We're a registered charity, and you know that brings its own procedures um, for us. So, so we spent, I suppose, maybe a year and a half between COVID delays and and set up before we could really get going. Um, And then on the 10th of January um, of this year, we cut the ribbon into an area at the back of St. John's Oncology Ward at CHI at Crumlin. And over the last couple of months, we have been building what has come to be known as a visiting centre there for pets. And that officially opened on the 20th of May, so just a couple of weeks ago. Brilliant. And Evelyn, if anybody wants to um, support you guys, is there a, a page or a link? Yeah, so all of the information, including how the service operates, uh, where we're based and how to donate or fundraise for Keyens Kennels is on our website. It's www.keyenskennels.ie. And indeed, if there's any families that are interested in, in availing of the service, we're just finalising all of our registration processes and all that. So that will be available on the website in the next couple of days. Brilliant. Evelyn, thank you so much for joining us on the Opinion Line this morning. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. Hear the full show on our app, by podcast or on 96FM.ie. The lines are live. And we're ready to talk. Can we just talk? Call 0818 96 96 96. Text or WhatsApp 083 396 96 96. Email opinion at 96FM.ie. The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan on Cork's 96FM. Fiona in for PJ today. PJ will be back with you on Tuesday. Now, in the last hour, I was speaking to Francesca who had suffered a stroke and she wanted to give back to CUH uh, for the care that they gave her. So she's running the mini marathon in Dublin on Sunday and all proceeds will be going to CUH charity. And we forgot to mention that her, if anybody wants to support that and donate, it's idonate.ie forward slash Francesca Murray, F-R-A-N-C-E-S-A-M-U-R-R-A-Y. Earlier this week, PJ was speaking to Joe's mom, Nicola, who um, was talking about how Make-A-Wish had really made his dream come true by delivering a Nintendo and with the help of Mario and Luigi, who came to the house to deliver the Nintendo. And Louise has been in touch to say, Hi, I'm Louise, uh, Make-A-Wish volunteer in Cork. 
Peter spoke to Joe's mom Nicola the other day and I was just hoping that you might pass on a thank you from myself and Quiva. It was our pleasure to help with Joe's wish and we had so much joy and fun doing it. The smile on Joe's face was amazing. Joe and his family are such lovely people and I hope Joe gets a lot of fun from his Nintendo. Would you also say hi to Joe from Mario and Luigi? Oh that's lovely. Thank you so much for that Louise. Also, I was speaking this morning to Quiva Burke about salaries being advertised on ads and Paul has been in touch to say, good morning, Fiona, about advertising salaries. There's a study to do with needs and people. Salary at the outset is very important as it's a vital need, food, shelter, water, heat. Then once salary is adequate, self-esteem and other things become more important. This study is used for managing people, courses, etc. Best regards for a lovely weekend. Paul. Thank you, Paul. Thank you for that. And it is true, and that's what uh, Quiva was saying, that it's all very well and good to say that you want your dream job, but if the salary is not going to give you the dream life, then it's very hard to um, go for something like that. Um, also, Noel has been in touch. We were talking on the show this week about prices of uh, petrol and diesel, and the price of petrol and diesel have gone over the €2 Euro a litre mark, um, which was causing a lot of outrage for people. And Noel has been sent a picture from his friend in Italy which shows that the price of diesel is 1.81 and the price of petrol is 1.85 Noel says we're being robbed here we are Noel look at them over in Italy they've got better weather they've got cheaper diesel and petrol what are we doing it's no wonder that people are heading off in their droves from the airports <laughs> thank you very much for that Noel and if you want to get in touch with us on the show it's 0818 96 96 96 or 083 396-96-96. Now, it's been billed as the concert like no other and there's been a, an arena set up particularly for it over in London and of course I'm talking about ABBA Voyage and uh, Crossy from FM 104 was there last night. Good morning, Crossy. Good morning. My well. jaw is still on the, <laughs> is still on the floor. What I'm was just, it like? Uh, it's one of those things, right, where yesterday I was coming over here and I was talking to my friend about it and I was like, I don't know if I'm going to like this. I've seen a few TikToks. I've seen a few Instagrams. It's like going to the cinema and I don't know if I'm ready for that part of, you know, what concerts are going to be like in the future. Mm. And then I went to it and my, I, I honestly didn't speak. I didn't sing. I didn't dance for the first three songs because I was taking it all in. I was like, how do they look like they are on stage and they're real people? And it's not just that they're standing still. They're hugging each other. They're laughing with the crowd. They're talking to the crowd. They're, you know, they're, their mannerisms, everything about it. I was going, this is the strangest thing I have ever been to in my entire life. And just it for people like who don't dreaming. know, Crossy, you're talking about it like it's a hologram on the stage, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. So ABBA a couple of years ago came together and they were like, right, we need, we won't be able to tour. We won't be able to do shows. We're getting older. We can't dance around like we used to. What do we do? Mm. So they came up with this this idea that they'll do a hologram. Now, there's been holograms done of Whitney Houston before and all that, and I've seen them, and they've been very dodgy. So yeah. that's all I had to yeah. go by going, oh, here, this is what we're going to get into now. And it was everything but that. It was everything but that. So they had to wear they had to wear this kind of a Spider-Man suit, you could say, with loads of sensors in it for a couple of weeks, the four members of ABBA. And these sensors picked up everything they did, from how they walked, how they talked, how they sang, what happens to their neck if they're singing? What happens to their hands if they're singing? And they built four holograms of these people. And it took them a, it took them a couple of months to build it all together. Uh, out in Canary Wharf, which is a bit outside London City, they, in a, 
industrial estate, they built this purpose-built arena. And the mad thing I found out last night was it's a flat pack that they can take it up and they can move it elsewhere. And uh, are they and planning so the on doing that? Like, are they planning on travelling yeah. around with it? Yeah. So apparently they're going to leave it there for a couple of years. Um, the ticket sales are out the door and they're hoping maybe it's going to go to the likes of Las Vegas, the way, you know, Celine Dion and Katy Perry and all that would have played and it could be a mecca for ABBA fans. Um, it's like a space... <laughs> I'm, I'm just do you know you're, you're trying to the best thing about it is you're not allowed to bring your phone in oh, so right. you know you're, you take sneaky pictures and all that and that's grand but the, the the videos that I saw beforehand did not do it justice and if I if I went by the videos that I saw I'd be like oh god this is going to be awful Yeah. but you have to be there and see it like there's parts of it where they're talking to each other and they're singing songs. And I was lucky enough to sit beside a, a lady who got to see them live as right. an in-person back in the 70s. And I was watching it through her eyes and I was going, is that the way they'd hug each other? Is that the way they do? And I was like, yeah. She was crying through most of it. Ask she says, I can't believe it. <laughs> but because they had they had sang this themselves, so it's their real voices from this year. So it's Abba singing from this year. So do they sound now like they would sound on stage now at this age? Or is it more like what they would have sounded like back in the day, back in the 70s? It's, do you know what? It's what they would sound like today. And their voices are really intact, like really Mm. intact. Um, There's parts of it like, this is really strange to say, but there's parts of it where one of them talks and the other three goes off the stage and right. they're doing that because they're doing costume changes, Asked. and they're saying, "Okay," but, and but you're you're so into it, like you you get buried into it, and you're going, yeah. "Oh, they're just doing costume." Yeah. And you're, "Hang on a second, they're doing costume changes. They're bloody holograms. How can they be doing costume changes? They can just press a button." But that's what they make you want to believe, you know, that they they want you to be at a concert, to dance, to sing, to watch, to see what they're like, you know. And um, apparently, they have been popping up as in real people. Uh, since it opened up last week after the show they'll just come out on stage beside the holograms and they scare the absolute bejesus out of you there was a lady we met afterwards who has who did tickets for the night before and before that and Benny and Bjorn were there and they came out and they had a chat with the crowd yeah. and people were going wow this is this is different now the question is what what's next like are there going to be are there going to be rockers or yeah, like I was just going to ask you that. Can you see that this now, because of the success of this, um, do you think that other stars are going to to want to kind of emulate that and decide, right, okay, well, I'm gonna, I want my hologram up there now. So, um, you know, are we going to have the likes of Rod Stewart there <laughs> on a hologram? That's what I was thinking, yeah. yeah. You know, you, know you, you have to start asking those questions. You know, Celine Dion was supposed to play Dublin four times now. And because of COVID and then she's sick at the minute, mm. she's had to cancel it. Like, can, and then she, you know, she's played so many gigs in Las Vegas. Like, what would happen if Celine Dion was a hologram in Las Vegas? You know, yeah. after, well after yeah. she's finished singing. You know, you can only do it for a couple of acts that people will go, yeah, we're going to go like, see it. You're not going to have, would, like, you know, say current, like, younger stars who decide, okay, well, I'm sick, so I can't, um, or I have other commitments, so I can't go to Vegas, so I'm just going to send a hologram of me instead. Like, you're, it has yeah. to be really somebody who's not fit to play in a, a two-hour concert or whatever. And that is it. It has to be someone like Elton John. Could Elton John do it? You know, it has to... I think at the minute, there's not enough current stars that have that, you know, ABBA quality. You could say Elton John has that. Mm. The Rolling Stones mm. has that. But could they could they be, you know, 
booked out for five years in Canary Wharf. You know, yeah. maybe Elton John could, you know, because he's toured so much. Will Ed Sheeran be that person eventually? And I think it's very Black Mirror. If you've ever watched it in Netflix, that weird horror TV show that, you know, has predicted the future mm. so many times. It kind of felt a bit like that last night. Um, I think because the arena kind of immerses you into it, like there's lights everywhere. The lights shoot around you. They, they're on top of you. They're on the floor underneath you. So everything's taking you by surprise once they sing and once they chat. And then, you know, when you go to the three arena or any any concert, even, even down at the Marquee in Cork, they'll always have screens either side of the stage. They have those screens in there as well. So yeah. you actually get to see them. Up. So you, you see them because you're sitting down like you're, you're watching them on stage and moving around and walking out up to the crowd. But then you get to see them on these screens and they look real. Like they, they look tiny, like real people. Was the audience mainly made up of uh, older people who would have been fans of ABBA back in the 70s or was it a kind of a mix? This was this was the, the strange thing. It was a mixture. Uh, I because we were like we're all in our twenties and thirties, we were like, oh, we'll probably be the, we'll probably be the youngest ones there. Yeah. No, we weren't. It was, it was moms and dads, uh, grannies and granddads, young people were there. It was such a mix of people. You can kind of see Abba, you know, bankrolling it in, going, "Wow, we've now got a brand new <laughs> a brand new audience." Because you, yeah, if you don't forget that they've had Mamma Mia and Mamma Mia too. Like that's always in Broadway. It's in the West End as well. It travels around the world. You got the movies. So you've got all these new, new recruits constantly watching and listening. Like you can't go to any party without someone playing an ABBA song. And when you say that that, there was young people there, like were they part of a group or were they part of their family? Like were they there with parents? Or can you see this as being something like, you know, a suitable night out for a hen party, say, or, you know. Oh, hen party central. Oh, and there was people wearing the, the amount of ABBA costumes and it was all young people with the ABBA costumes, wow. you know, dressing up as the girls and the lads. Mm. And when I felt underdressed. Like I just had a black t-shirt and a pair of jeans. <laughs> I walked in going, I had to, I bought, I bought one of the ABBA t-shirts because that's like, I am on my own here. I didn't know it was dress up. People, I, and do you know what it was? People were happy. They were smiling. They were laughing. And there was no, you know, sometimes people could, you know, be a bit too drunk at gigs or you kind of feel that there could be a a bit of trouble. There was none of that whatsoever. None of that. Brilliant. It was just a good night out. It just a good night out. And yeah, I again, like if for anyone listening who's kind of gone hologram, would you get away? I was the exact same this time yesterday. (laughs) I walked into it. I was like, wow, (laughs) this is a new world, a brand new world. And hearing them talk and hearing them talk to each other and now hologram hugging each other and hologram, you know, like being beside the piano or just <laughs> like, do you get what I mean? Like, yeah. you kind of feel like I'm in a different world, but it, it was a great world. It was, you it, have I, to I be there to, to believe I, it really, don't you? And to experience it. Yeah. And I, I think, I think that's it. I, and I think stay away from the TikToks or the Instagrams that show the, you know, people have been yeah. taking sneak videos and all that. That kind of makes it look like it's cheap. Okay. But it's not. It's, it's just proper. experience. But yeah, no, it was brilliant. It was great. Crossy, thank you so much for that. Hopefully we'll get to go over now at some stage and experience the, the ABBA yes. voyage. <laughs> Sounds great. Thank you so much. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM. With the Cork City Marathon. Take on your next challenge this June by running solo or with a team. Register at CorkCityMarathon.ie. 
Join me Saturday mornings from 10. I've got four hours of the best music mix. Check out the Cork Weekend Survey. Have a go at the Wayne Teaser question. There's the latest celebrity goss. A look at what's happening around town. And we'll keep you up to date with all your essential Cork news. Wayne Hilton. Saturdays, 10 a.m. With CarMax Used Cars Supermarket. Dublin Road for Moy. Great deals on hundreds of cars. Just a short drive from the tunnel. Visit C-A-R-M-A-X-X. CarMax.ie. On Cork's. 96 FM. Can we just talk? The Opinion Line with PJ Coogan. Text or WhatsApp now. 083 396 On Cork's 96 FM. Now, earlier this morning, we were talking about the Carrick Tool Campus Project, which is going to be the largest investment by the government in a hybrid of a primary and post-primary school. And it's going to be welcome development in the area. And during that conversation, we were talking about the price of uh, construction and how inflation is going to affect building costs and Councillor Jer Keohan, who's based in Glanmire was in touch to say speaking about inflation and the increase in construction costs the Dlashaboy flood relief scheme in Glanmire, which has been uh, hoped for for so long now is now in jeopardy. The initial cost was 14 million euro the cost now is 17 million euro and I'm sure there are plenty of people in that area who are going to be keeping an eye on that because it's going to save so many homes and businesses from being flooded again. Um, also, just in the last few minutes, we've had some breaking news to say that Minister for Housing Dara O'Brien has announced an increase in the housing assistant payment discretion rate of up to 35% from next month. So I'm sure that's going to be um, a welcome announcement for many people this morning. Now, uh, yesterday we were talking about how uh, reused and recycled clothes are big business for festival goers this year. But what about repairing your own clothes. Um, joining me now is Joy O'Leary, who runs the Clothes Swap Cork Clothes Repair Cafe. Good morning, Joy. Hello, good morning. Uh, good morning and welcome to you. Uh, now, just tell me, the Cork Clothes Swap, um, it's all about uh, swapping clothes, but you also give people tips on how to mend their own clothes and to reuse their own clothes. Yeah, so... Um yeah, we host regular, uh, we host monthly clothes swaps and now um, we're having a repair cafe, which is a completely free voluntary thing that we're doing um, every month. So mm. um, uh, one one Saturday every month, we're having a sustainable fashion fair at the Black Market in Cork, um, which is down by the marina. And we are having this repair cafe. So we invite people to come along with clothes and we can repair them on the spot for you. We can also give you information on how to repair your own clothes, how to upgrade them or uh, how to care for your clothes. Basically, you know, improving the longevity of our clothes so we're not just discarding them when they are a bit damaged. So like if you have a tear in a pair of pants or a pair of jeans, although that might be acceptable, but um, if it was something that you didn't really want, um, you can come down um, to your repair cafe and either you guys will do it yourselves or you will show people how to do it. Because I I mean, like I know myself now, if there's a, a zip broken, I'll either bring it to somewhere to get it fixed or I'll throw it away because I just am the most useful, <laughs> useless. Yeah, so, or like- I can't use anything like that. I'm just no good at fixing things. 
Yeah, like, I mean, most people don't know how to do it. It's not a skill that a lot of people have. And mm. in our group, we have, you know, people who've experienced in the fashion industry and textile and design and all that. So they are there and they are just happy to help and to teach people. Um, and we're going to be doing workshops in the future. We have one coming up on teaching people how to sew and, you know, make things, you know, so that we get these skills. Um, so, yeah, come along if you have a rip pants or top or whatever mm. and you want to we can do it for you or we can tell you how to do it um it's really an informal kind of um event so yeah we just welcome people to come along and if anyone's even curious about this kind of thing we are really you know excited to talk to people about it and also offer that kind of service and Joy, what about, um, you know, like stains? I mean, I know like, you know, curry, red wine, anything like that. You, you know, you wear a white top. You're <laughs> inevitably, you're going to spill something like curry yeah. or red wine on it. And you think then that it's just completely damaged and not fit for use anymore. But you guys have ways of even taking stains out of clothes. Yeah, I mean, some stains you can't, uh, you know, it can be too late for some stains, but we have some information booklets on how to clean, you know, each type of stain. So yeah. if you come along, we can give you that kind of specific information on how to, you know, clean the stains on your clothes. Because yeah, sometimes that just ruins, you know, a top and the stain can't come out. And then you're like, oh my God, I can't wear this anymore. But mm. And sometimes when there are stains on clothes that can't come out, we're looking at, you know, upcycling that material into something else. Like maybe you can cut off that part of the t-shirt and turn that t-shirt into a, a bag or something. Oh. Um, so yeah, we're exploring these kinds of um ways of mm. upcycling up our clothes as well um, or you can kind of combine two items of clothes together to make something else um, so yeah it's about being creative and also being informed about what you know how to treat our clothes and are you seeing an um, an increase in the amount of people who are coming to your clothes <coughs> excuse me who are coming to your clothes swaps is it you know like we were talking yesterday on the show about how with festivals this year in particular that um, a lot of people are going to secondhand stores <coughs> um, or, or swap shops just to get um, a few bits for for things like that so are you noticing an increase um I it's it's very busy like um it, it was slow to start off because, you know, people were just finding out about the close up and it's getting busier and busier. And especially um, at the black market, the the sustainable fashion fair is really busy. Um, there's also vintage um, stalls there, clothes stalls. So, yeah, it's just growing, which is great. I mean, there was a woman, I, we had a close up yesterday and, and there was a woman and she comes every month and she said she hasn't bought anything since we started doing this because you know, she'll take something and, you know, maybe wear it for a month and maybe it's not something she wants to keep. She might bring it back and then she, you know, it's less of a commitment. You don't have to um, buy something and feel this kind of responsibility of keeping this item, you know. Um, yeah, or if you had yeah. an event coming up and you had nothing to wear to it and uh, you exactly. could go down to your place, get a, a nice dress or whatever, wear it and then the next month bring it back and somebody else could take it then for... <laughs> Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we have two swaps a month, one on the first Wednesday of every month in Rebel Reads Bookshop. And we have one on a Saturday as well, at the black market. So you have lots of opportunity to come and swap your clothes with us. Um, so yeah, I really encourage people to come. It's completely free um, and it's a fun experience as well, you know. 
Um, and your next workshop is on Sunday, the twelfth of June. That's the 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 upcycling one and how uh, how to um, fix your clothes and repair your clothes. So that workshop is about we're going to teach you how uh, we're going to teach you some basic sewing skills, and then we're going to actually make this organic. Uh, um, f- uh, facial cleansing pads, um, which is just kind of a simple product that a lot of people buy and throw away. And this is something that's reusable that we're going to teach you how to make. And the point of that, and, and that we're also going to use some upcycled materials um, as well from the close up. So, yeah. So if You're anyone brilliant. wants to come, they can. Yeah. <laughs> I love to have your creative brain, Joy. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's, there's a group of us. I can't take credit for it all, you know. Just <laughs> well, fair play to you. It sounds amazing. Um, so just give me those dates again. So you're, um, the, the Fixing okay. Fashion Workshop is on Sunday, the 12th of June, but you also have the Sustainable Fashion Fair um, and the Repair Cafe on June the 11th. Yeah. Yeah, so Saturday the 11th is the Repair Cafe and the Close Up at the Sustainable Fashion Fair. And then the following day we have um, limited spaces at a workshop that we're hosting. And you can find that link to the workshop on any of our social media or on Eventbrite. Okay. Um, yeah, and that's a workshop on the 12th. And that's all happening at the Black Market at the Marina Commercial Park? Yeah. Uh, the Saturday is at the Black Market. The workshop is actually going to be in the Roundy, in the pub okay. in Cork. Um, so yeah, a different location. All right. But Just don't have too many glasses are. of wine or your sewing could go really askew. Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Joy, listen, thank you so much and best of luck with it. It's a brilliant idea. And if anybody does want to find out more about um, the Clothes Repair Cafe and the Clothes Repair um, uh, Cafe, it's they have a... Um, Sorry, now, excuse me. It's a, at Cork Clothes Swap is their social media handle um, and they're going to be at the Black Market in Cork. Just wanted to bring to your attention that the 10th annual Music Marathon in aid of Fermoy Community Hospital is on this Sunday, June 5th. Um, the music is Trad and Folk, Sparkle, Fermoy Musical Society, Ellie O'Brien, Colin Landers, Anthony Mehegan, Roy Buckley, Jimmy Lee, Deuces Wild, Tommy McNully, Hank Weddle, or Weddell, Fred and Wilma, The Hollies, Paul Comerford, Disband, Karen Comerford, Paul Sings Elvis, Mike Roach, Tony Power and loads more that's happening and if you want to find out any more about that they do have a Facebook page facebook.com forward slash cheers for Moy and of course that's in aid of for Moy Community Hospital. Uh, now um, you may not be familiar with this song or you might be but have a listen to this. How about that for getting you in the mood for the bank holiday weekend Ash Ray Anderson with uh, Sunny Side Up Good morning Ash Good morning. Hi, how are you? I'm good. Ash, would you prefer me to call you Ash or Dizzy Ray? Uh, either is fine. Yeah, Dizzy Ray, Ash. Ash is good. Yeah. Okay, so congratulations <laughs> on the new single, It's Sunny Side Up, as you heard there. It's such a summary sound. It's absolutely brilliant. I love it. Oh, um, thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just tell me, it's, it's taken you seven years to bring this song out. Why so long? 
Why so long? I was diagnosed with Graves' disease uh, about seven years ago. So I took a break from music because it left me quite breathless and I was able, un, like, unable to sing. So right. yeah, I'm back now. And um, I it was an unfinished project that I, I really wanted to just get done and out there. And I'm delighted it is finally out there for people to listen to. So it must be really emotional then um, after the journey that you've been on to get this song out, to, to see it now out there and to hear it um, being played must be so emotional for you. Big time. Oh, you've no idea how how delighted I am to hear it on the radio and yeah, for it to just be out there for everybody to listen to. I hope it becomes everybody's summer anthem. Um, yeah. <laughs> and of course it is on Spotify. Um, like the reaction to it so far has been amazing, hasn't it? I mean, I was looking Incredible. There. Like what was yeah. it? Nearly 6,000 listens on Spotify in the first 48 hours. That's it. Yeah, I'm overwhelmed. I I don't know how that happened, but it has. <laughs> and yeah, it's incredible. Absolutely incredible. And um, if, uh, something like over 5,000 views on YouTube as well. Um, yeah. And you're trying I don't to know get what the it on the, the Cork's most played list. What's that? Yeah. So um, there's the, the Cork playlist. Um, they do Song of the Month. Um, they do awards as well. So we're um, on the Song of the Month and we're second. So we're hoping that we can get a few more votes. Um, so what people have and, to vote for yeah. it then, is it? People go onto Facebook, onto the Cork playlist, and they just have to click um, beside Sunny Side Up. And yeah, hopefully then we'll know on the 15th of this month um, who wins. So yeah, all very exciting and it's all, <laughs> yeah, all steaming ahead. So just tell me a little bit about Sunny Side Up. Where did the song come from? Was it based on anything in particular? Um, well, it's kind of tale as old as time. It was written about an ex of mine. Um, we uh, just spent one day kind of at the start of our relationship, just chilling out in the grass uh, down in Goline. Um, it was summertime, blue skies everywhere. And yeah, that was my inspiration. It was one of my favourite memories and um, I wanted to, to write it into a song. So, yeah. And you did that. And, you know, you, you wrote the song yourself, um, but with the whole production of it, did you get help with that then? Yes. Uh, so it's Lionheart uh, is the producer of the music um, and he's also singing on the track. Um, Rick Appleby is his name. Um, and yeah, I couldn't, we couldn't have made the song. Uh, the collaboration was just incredible. Um, yeah, from the get go. So um, it just sparked something magical, I think. Um, yeah, I'm really, really proud of proud of it. And like this, the song is um, really cheery, but the video is, is, is brilliant as well. I mean, it's such a positive, upbeat video. Uh, just tell me a little bit about yeah. making the video. So we spent most of the time running around with the GoPro strapped onto my cousin Jay's head. And <laughs> um, yeah, so the, that's kind of all the first person views of it. Um, and we went to uh, Roaches Point, Garrettstown um, and Munhasig for the locations. Um, I wanted to try and co incorporate as much of Cork's beautiful countryside in the sunshine because there's nowhere else to be in Ireland um, when it's sunny, you know. Um, it's amazing. Um, so, yeah. It was, is. And people can, can see it on YouTube. And, uh, you know, it is, as I said, like it's such a, an uplifting song and such an uplifting video. And yeah, I think we need that at the moment as well, like with everything that's going on. Absolutely. So I'm hoping it'll spread a bit of positivity. 
So, yeah. And I mean, like, was it always your um, plan to release it just ahead of the summer so that it would be, be uh, People's yes. Summer Anthem? Yeah. Yes, it was. It was always planned. Yeah. End of spring, kind of start of summer. So, yeah. And uh, this, Ash, like you're, I know that you've released this song now, but this is not your first song. This is your third, isn't it? This is the third release. Yeah. And I have another release coming out at the end of the year as well. I'm making the music video for that. It's actually an animation. So it's taking me oh. quite a while to, to actually get that together. But um, yeah, it's called Sleep Well, My Dear. And um, it's in memory of um, my first love who died about a year and a half ago. His name was Jay Dillon. Oh, um, I'm sorry to so, hear that. Yeah. Ah, it's okay. I use music as an outlet. Um, you know, it's a great emotional outlet. Um, it's healing. It's, yeah, as a positive thing. So Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant, fair play to really you. Really proud of it. And have you Thank always you. been into writing your own songs? Absolutely, since I was, I'd say, five or six, I've always been writing poetry. And really? and then I used to go along with my mum to Lismore Choir because she didn't have a babysitter. She was a single mom. Yeah. And um, yeah, I think I kind of tuned my ear to, to music um, at a very early age. And um, yeah, I've always, it's been my first passion in life. So will we have an album from you soon? So <laughs> Yes, I would hope so. Um, probably not this year because I'm working on the, the next single and um, I'm also working on um, gigging and set lists and stuff like that for that. Oh, fantastic. Um, but yes, I would say an album probably middle of next year. You have played some festivals. I mean, you, you were playing at Electric Picnic, Body and Soul. Uh, what's the, the lineup for this summer? Are you playing gigs this summer? Are you playing festivals? Mm. Not this summer. Um, again, I'd hope next summer to definitely be um, included in the lineups for a lot of those festivals. Um, as I said, I'm kind of working on my set list and yeah. the few releases that I have to come out um, first. To yeah, fantastic. Listen, it was lovely talking to you. And best of luck. It's a fantastic single. Absolute pleasure, Fiona. <laughs> best of luck with it and with the album and with everything else. Thank you so much. That was Ash Desiree Anderson, and the song is "Sunny Side Up." Now we did get a message earlier from a listener and um, I just wanted to bring it to your attention because it's definitely food for thought and something that we should all think about when we're out and about. Uh, this message says I was at a pub quiz this evening which I really enjoyed. However, as a gay woman I really did not appreciate my team song I Kissed a Girl being referred to as That's So Gay multiple times. I understand it's a bit of crack but sometimes this goes beyond fun. Every other team song was played without alteration so I don't understand why one song that was chosen to be different. Perhaps coincidence, yes, but that does not make it feel any better. Myself and my partner decided to go out for a few drinks which we enjoyed until we felt uncomfortable. Instead of hearing our winning song, we heard That's So Gay. I hope you have a think about how you could potentially make people of the LGBT plus community feel with these remarks. And if anybody has experienced anything like that and they would like to share it with us, they can always get in touch with us by email over the weekend and it's opinion at 96fm.ie. Something else that I wanted to bring to your attention before we sign off today is that there's... Um 
if you want to be in a music video um, we got this message from music video casting uh, we're casting a music video at the moment for well known Cork born but London based artist Kean Duckrow and filming will take place in Cork very soon we're looking for some people to take part and there's a nice fee if cast the production team would like to cast people who are strictly Cork based who've also experienced loss either the passing of a loved one or the breakdown of a relationship we understand this can be a difficult subject for people so it's important those interested are comfortable talking about it we're specifically looking for males aged 18 to 25 women between 45 and 60 um, and also 60 plus woman or man we would love to reach as many people as possible with this fantastic opportunity and we would hugely appreciate you sharing this message on your radio station Um, so that is um, it's um, alicoffeecasting.ie for that if you're interested now Anya Duffy you have converted a donkey box into a stage and you're bringing it to Gary Lucas good morning Hi, how is it going? I'm very well. Now, just before I start talking to you, I'm just going to play a little bit of your uh, music there. So Great, people... thank you. <laughs> Anya, I love it. <laughs> and I've seen Great. videos of yeah. people dancing in front of the donkey box to those kind of tunes. Oh, and they're practice now, ain't <laughs> <laughs> So just tell me a little bit about your coming to Gary Lucas on Saturday, is I that am. right? I'm coming on Saturday. I've, I'm going to do, I'll be doing a couple of them around Cork, we'll say up until July. So I have Gary Lucas this Saturday. So for people who are going to Gary Lucas, we just started with there, what can they expect? Right. Do you know what? It feels like a a little festival buzz without having to pay 250 (laughs) quid for a ticket. (laughs) (laughs) So there's, I mean, everyone, it's very inclusive and, you know, there's no inhibitions and everyone is welcome. And, you know, you dance, I'm going to have, like, I'll open it down at the start and there'll be people singing along in sessions and a bit of trad. And then as it starts to get a bit dark, because <laughs> I have lights and stuff, I'll kick off. And my set now is is fun and dancing and all ages, just let loose and have great fun. You know, I play electric guitar and sing and I have the beats programmed and, and it's it's just great fun. It's very community and involvement as well at the same time. You, you really feel like you're getting in there. So you're playing your tunes yeah. after dark, but there will be other musicians then yeah. before that as well. So it is. Like yeah, a I open it up. Yeah, it's like a, it's like a festival. It is a duff fest. <laughs> <laughs> and it is like, where did you get the idea from? Because I know that we've all seen the horse boxes converted into coffee vans, but why did you convert a donkey box into a stage? Well, sure, middle of a pandemic and I was I had a song that I wanted to release and you know, you'd be waiting for so long trying to figure out a way of releasing them and and I just I couldn't wait anymore and I had the video ready and, and I was supposed to be on tour. Mm. So I was like, How can I get music out there? And then I also saw people were kinda of getting feeling a bit down and I, I know what live music can do to people, you know. I know you're supporting the artists which we love and we appreciate but we're also you know, you you come away from it on, on a buzz, you know. And so I just said, okay, you I know said what I do. There, yeah, so you, <laughs> you set this up, which is brilliant. And you're coming to Gary Lucas on Saturday, but you said there that you're going to be going to a couple of different places in Cork. Yeah, yeah. So where so else I'm are you going? So I'm going to be going there. And then I have, I have a little list in Cork. Cork. So I'm going to be going there then on the 4th. Then I have Cork Show on the 19th. And then... Um, I won't have the duff box at that. That'd be a trickier one. And then <laughs> I have 
I have abandoned food street fair, so creative abandon are putting on events, and this would be lovely. That's on the 26th of June. And then I'm doing one for Cork Nature Network, which is obviously very important at the moment. Mm. And I'm doing that in the Marina Market on on the July the 9th. Brilliant. And if people want to find out where you're going, they can find that out on your Facebook page. Yeah, I think that's the best way to find things. I'm also emceeing a little event for kids, Cranuna Grania, and so I'll have loads of details and stuff, and I'll just put them all all on my socials because if you were given a list of things, people would get confused. So my my socials are at Anya Duffy Music, A I N E D U F F Y. M-U-S-I-C across all platforms and Anya before I let you go there's um, a musical like you're obviously very musical and that must run in the family because you're related to uh, Billie Eilish (laughs) (laughs) I know can you credit that it's a funny one when things like that happen you'd be thinking jeez but but her she's an O'Connell like so her her father and my mother are second cousins so it's pretty closely related as well like and when did you find out not only I'd say a month ago. <laughs> I know it'd be there. How will I tweet her now? How will I say hi, Billy? I'm your cousin. I made a joke skit on with the guitar of over one of her songs. Um, bad guy. I made that into I'm your cousin. So I, I might try. And, <laughs> I might try and tweet it to her. Try well, and get her know. to cork. You know, <laughs> we might have Billy Eilish come and play it in the duff box. <laughs> yeah, that'd be some crack. Are we sure how it's done? We will indeed. <laughs> Anya, it, it sounds brilliant, and I hope to catch you at some stage over the summer that's Anya Duffy with her Duff box she's going to be in Gary Lucas this Saturday just the the the, the winner of the Riverdance ticket today is Lisa Lanzendorfer of the Meadows Holly Hill congratulations Lisa and enjoy the show on Sunday also Michael has been in touch to say the record for the Cork City Marathon is 39 years old it was set by the late Jerry Kiernan in 1983 with a time of 2 hours 13 minutes oh my god and 45 seconds nobody has come near that time since only Jerry Kiernan himself who ran 2 hours 14 minutes 30 seconds the following year when he won Cork again which incorporated the National Marathon in that particular year wonder will it be beaten this year we'll have to wait and see Michael thank you for that and thank you to everyone for listening to me over the last two days You're listening to Highlights from the Opinion Line on Cork's 96FM Hear the full show on our app by podcast or on 96FM.ie Hi I'm Daniel founder of Pretty Litter Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.